0: emerging europe talks brings you insight and intelligence designed to help entrepreneurs investors governments and all knowledge seekers navigate the emerging europe region the talks focus on innovation and technology sustainable social and economic growth business politics and culture and help the right people identify the right opportunities and trends
1: This is Emerging Europe Talks, regional cooperation with a focus on the Three Seas Initiative. My name is Andrew Robel, and today I am joined by Thibaut Mizurik, uh, you program director at the International Republican Institute and also the host of the Think Atlantic podcast. Thibaut, welcome to Emerging Europe Talks.
0: Thank you very much for having me, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Awesome. So let's kick off with the first question. So the United States has a new president-elect right now. What do you think it means for the emerging Europe region? So the
0: impression that some
1: people in some capitals in in Central and
0: Eastern Europe may have or have had over the past few days is mainly one of, I wouldn't say necessarily fear, but there is somewhere a fear That this is going to be 2008 all over again, that America, which has taken some interest in the region under Republican administration, would go into a a completely different uh, policy towards Central Europe now. I think it's it's safe to reassure these people that this is not going to happen. We do, we're we not going to have any reset with Russia. If anything, we're going to have attention that is going to be uh, given to emerging Europe. Probably not the same angles as during the, the Trump administration. Uh, there will be more focus on human rights, more focus on democracy, but that will not be the only, the only focus. And I think there will be much more, sounds weird to say it right now, but there will probably be more Continuity than a change in America's foreign policy in the in the region. There will be some things that are that are going to become important. I just mentioned them, but otherwise, you know, people should not expect a, a radical change in, in in U.S. foreign policy in, in emerging Europe.
1: So President Trump was actually interested in the in the region. You said that, and and he also visited you know Warsaw a few years ago to join the uh, Three Seas Initiative summit. How do you think the three C's initiatives has been perceived in the United States over the last uh, few years?
0: It's been perceived very positively, I think, on both sides of the aisle. I mean, if you listen to Joe Biden advisors' uh, contributions about whenever they mentioned the three C's initiative, they are are quite supportive to very supportive. Here again, I think we need to make, I mean, Contrary to what a lot of people think, there are actually still uh, quite a few points, particularly in foreign policy, where there is bipartisan support. And the alliance in Poland with Poland is one that has bipartisan support. And I, I have to to say, contrary to other leaders, the Poles have been very smart in uh, not getting involved in the campaign and have left things, you know, go the way they should have and didn't really take sides. And and I think they that's a testimony of the, the bipartisanship that surrounds the, the alliance with Poland and Poland is obviously at the center of the of the Three Seas Initiative. So I think there will be there will be support from the the new administration when it will come in in, in January for for the Three Seas Initiative because everybody thinks that it's a good thing. Everybody wonders why Europe is not more involved uh, in it. Maybe that's a conversation we will have. Everybody sees this as a way to counter China's influence and the 17 plus one plan. So I think there, that will not change. The Democrat administration will be, will be positive towards uh,
1: the three-seas initiative. So if we look at it from a broader perspective, what are the U.S. interests in the emerging Europe region? So, I mean, there are-, there are Regardless of the party. Obviously yeah and sure the, you We're know the the yeah no no completely i mean that, again
0: that's a that's a bipartisan issue the first one is obviously economic there are markets to be won in this area which also means that from an american perspective there is a lot of interest in having uh, healthy economies all around emerging europe because that means more markets that are open to american firms so this is one specific set of issue the other one is obviously geopolitical historically emerging europe has been a, a sort of insurance against the the resurgence of uh, potential resurgence of russia right now considering that russia is rather in trouble and in in decline after coronavirus it seems i think the russian threat is going to be less of a burning issue but the chinese expansion is going to be more of an issue and this is where geopolitics and economics so geoeconomics if you want to, to call it like that is going to uh, to become one big thing and and this is where the three seas initiative actually is becomes interesting because again this is it it has not been developed like that but it is ending up being America's answer to the Chinese seventeen plus one format. So that's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out in the in the next few years.
1: So why do you think Western Europe is sort of less interested in uh, the three c's initiative?
0: There are several reasons. I think it's, a, you know, as a Western European, I think it's a bad thing that Europeans did not take interest. I think, you know, Western Europe has its own problems right now that it's focusing on. And it was, you know, uh, 2008, right, the beginning of the crisis was the same. You know, the, the Central and Eastern Europe was left on its own at the beginning of the crisis. And I think that's one one reason. Another one is that from a, an, an economic perspective, investment in things like the via carpatia doesn't make as much economic sense as the east-west infrastructure investment and you you always need to make choices right you when you make an investment so from a german perspective it is much more interesting to have you know to build roads that lead from you know the new factory in slovakia in western slovakia to the markets in uh, in austria rather than you know a north-south infrastructure that actually does not does not really make sense economically for a lot of countries except poland and this is why also poland is is a leader in in this field so western europe is less interested because it was always bound to be less interested and and we always have the problem of center periphery. periphery it's good that the periphery is taking its it, its own destiny into its own hands provided that i would add that that caveat provided that there is an understanding between brussels and the, the western European capitals that this is not a, a rival project to the European Union. I think this is something that is extremely that is extremely important.
1: So, if you look at the Three Cs initiative, for quite some time it was being discussed with really no specific measures taken, and only recently was uh, you know the Three Cs initiative investment fund launched. Will this help the initiative move forward? What do you think?
0: Yes, because it gives a concrete face to the Three Seas Initiative. Until very recently, it was more or less, you know, some like the Union for the Mediterranean, something with a little bit of money but nothing substantial. The fact that you add really some, and some projects that are, you know, that can go into people's memory that people can touch. Um, I mentioned the Via Carpaccia. It's not the only project, but this is definitely something that that is real. I think it's it's good. It, it gives life to the project, and and it makes it move forward. So yeah, that's definitely a uh, that's definitely a good thing.
1: So do you think that was the reason why the Americans actually you know pledged to sort of contribute to the fund and 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 support financially the entire? Initiative?
0: Well, I mean, yeah. Yes, because you know Americans always like to to see what they're what they're investing in. I think the other reason is that you know the seventeen plus one initiative by China also made dangerous strides, and there was a need for America to respond to that. America had been invited. by the way, I'd been invited at the beginning of the project along with the Chinese. And basically, I think the the State Department, American diplomats saw this as a perfect tool to answer to China's attempts to basically to steal, to take markets that uh, that would normally be a, be a natural American market. So I think there is obviously the willingness on the part of the leaders of the Three Seas Initiative to to do something and to do something concrete. Help, but the sense of urgency that that something needs to be done in the region to counter Chinese influence is also as also a lot to do with the with the decision.
1: Don't you think that it is a little bit too late to sort of you know, respond to that Chinese presence in the region? I mean, if we look at Southeastern Europe, there's quite a big presence of Chinese companies, and not only.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, it's first, it's never too late. And secondly, the idea is not to squeeze away all Chinese business from the region. The question is, you know, to look at the industries, the companies that represent a security problem for America that corrode uh, democratic institutions. And uh, IRI has done actually quite a, a lot of studies about uh, about the capacity of the Chinese Communist Party's actions to corrode democracy in many countries, not only in Europe, but in places like Sri Lanka and Pakistan or other places. And so, you know, these are, these are the things that the United States are looking at you know, at the moment, and the, the idea is not to, to say, you know, we, we want all the economies to be completely close to to China, but uh, looking at things strategically and, and see companies like Huawei are a problem from an American security perspective, and the rest has to be sorted by the market. So, geoeconomics is not as bipolar, and, and by, by the way, geopolitics is not as bipolar as what a lot of people think. So, we have to be somehow prudent when uh, when assessing these uh, uh, these risks.
1: So we were talking about infrastructure and if we look at the three C's initiative, there is actually a focus on three types of infrastructure. so there's roading and rail, there's energy and digital as well. Where do you think there is the biggest sort of there are the biggest opportunities, you know, for both regional and global, specifically American players?
0: So, I mean, obviously, the energy the energy part of the deal is extremely important for America because there is a real willingness, I think, from all countries in the region to be less dependent on Russian gas. And, you know, this is an opportunity for energy companies in the United States, particularly with regards to GNL. To make business, and there might be, I mean, depending on how the oil industry goes in the next uh, in the next few years, or the gas industry rather, the exploitation of shale gas, of which we know there are resources in Poland and uh, and Romania, notably between others, there might be opportunity there. But I think you know, pretty much everywhere there is there is potential. A road and rail will probably be a bit more difficult for American companies because I mean there is autochthonous, so to speak, uh, know-how plus you know there are German companies and other french companies that are that are around that will probably end up being cheaper than than american companies but with regard to to energy there is definitely some some interest that there should be plus and i mean on the tech side the americans with the exception of 5g the americans have technologies that the europeans don't have 5g you know it looks like companies like Nokia or Ericsson would uh, would be in, in the lead but i think this is a real opportunity for the region to open itself more to the world and uh, for central europe to look more like poland which is which which is a good thing because poland is one of the economically one of the, the power stations of the region
1: So in August, when Emerging Europe discussed the next decade of uh, Emerging Europe and U.S. relations, uh, we ran a survey and uh, the respondents chose innovation and digital transformation as sort of the key areas in which there should be more trade and investment as far as Emerging Europe and the United States collaboration is uh, concerned in the next decade, followed by energy and um, climate. So this kind of you know, relates to what you just said that energy and tech would be the key areas.
0: The other thing about tech is that obviously there is a know-how in emerging Europe, and and not only in the emerging Europe that is that is part of the European Union. There is a, there has been a real production of very talented software and hardware developers in Central Europe that, frankly, is second to none everywhere in the world. I think I, I can only think of India as a, as a place that that has made so talented uh, software developers. So there is obviously a win-win. Situation here, both for Silicon Valley or the tech industry in America, and uh, engineers and, and and the nascent uh, tech industry in, uh, uh, in in emerging Europe.
1: So let's look at the future a little bit. What do you think the future of uh, the Three Cs initiative will depend on, and uh, what kind of future do we see for the Three Cs initiative?
0: So I think the economic. The very economic orientation of the project is a good thing because it does not put itself as a as a hegemonic or hegemonic project by Poland. Because obviously, the Three Seas Initiative, everybody I can tell you that everybody in the region knows where it comes from. They know about Piłsudski, and you know there there are countries, frankly, in which you know this project is looked with suspicion, including with in countries. That are, that are friendly to Poland. I'm thinking about the Czech Republic, for example, uh, where, you know, whenever you mentioned the, the 3 Cities initiative, it's looked, you know, as interesting, but we need to be careful. So I think this is, the economic angle is the right one. The idea of that we need to develop independently of Western Europe, sort of being a, being centers, uh, centers of growth is itself a good thing. What I think needs to be to be done is really a sort of, make it first a Western, a fully Western uh, project that's, you know, not, not Western to it. And Poland and, and, and Central Europe are part of the West. I'm not saying this as a, you know, sort of Western imperial project, but having a uh, home investment, having German investment, having French investment, uh, Italian or British investment as well with American investment and and make it as a sort of uh, insert it in the general strategy of strategic investment both in terms of security with NATO and economically, politically inside the European Union. It does not mean by any by any means that this has to be a federalist European federalist project. But if we want these things to work, the best is to coordinate them and to make sure that you know not only that we don't step on each other's toes, but that all projects are complementary and they indeed can be complementary.
1: It's good that you mentioned NATO, because I was going to ask you about that. We briefly touched on Western Europe, or we can also talk about the European Union. What is the role of NATO and the EU in that project? What, do, How do you see it?
0: I think the EU should be enthusiastic about the project and should invest in the project, because it is a way to making uh, making not a common market but an internal market which is increasingly where where we he- we're heading that's the great project of the chinese definitely i think america is going to be more and more uh, reliant on its on its internal market and europe has this problem of of not not having a, a real real in- they have a common market we have a common market but not an internal market if germany wants to sell more bmw's it will not sell more bmw's in in china where the the car can catching up fast, it will, you know, it it will export them more in Poland, in Slovakia, in Romania. So there is a, a, and in Italy, Greece, there is a real need for Europe to have its Peripheral zones, and I'm not saying that at all in a in a bad way, but the economic center of Europe is definitely in the North Sea, in Northwestern Europe. So make sure that the the peripheral zones are are invested. They have a higher standards of living, also to be able to to sustain industry in the heart of Europe. So I would say that there is definitely an interest in uh, on part of the European Union, on part of as far as NATO is concerned. You know, a strong emerging Europe that has this project that is successful. Means first that you know if you spend two percent of your GDP and your GDP is I don't know uh, 100 million euros, uh, it's not the same as if you spend two percent of your GDP and your GDP is double that number. So you know a richer. Uh, emerging Europe means that there is more uh, spending on defense. That uh, you have economies and societies that are more resilient. That also are showing a counter narrative to the Russian narrative, which, frankly, right now is pretty feeble. So everybody has to win from the CC's initiative. The only thing, and this is where I think the, the 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 Polish government needs to be very careful, is that you know this idea of outreach to America, which it has done brilliantly over the past four years, but also outreach to Paris, to, to Berlin. I would say, frankly, that, you know, if I were a decision maker in Paris, I would love the prospect of uh, of doing things with, uh, with Poland, because that's potentially a counterweight uh, uh, to Berlin. So I think there, there are many reasons for Poland to to reach out to its its colleagues and allies inside the EU, also to get more investment in the Sweet Three Seas Initiative.
1: So that leads me to the final question, and you know the three c's initiative inx- expansion. So it was Polish President Duda uh, who said that he would he would like you know Ukraine to sort of cooperate with the three C's initiative. How do you see that expansion?
0: First of all, this is a great idea. I think this should be done on paper. It's great. on in reality, you know it's we're already talking about a, a massive area that you know of investment. Adding Ukraine to that is all, is adding another big chunk of territory. Adding Ukraine makes it look very much like the Czechoslovakia of uh, of old days. So you're going to have. More people uh, uh, who are going to be worried about you know this becoming a, a Polish thing, and I'm to- talking to you as a as a person who who worked for indirectly for uh, uh, the UMP and, and Nicolas Sarkozy at the time in which uh, the the Union for the Mediterranean was uh, uh, was made, and 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 a, a lot of enemies uh, were made stupidly by having you know this sort of very French attitude of you know I'm here and I'm I'm the best etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it's a good idea. The question is how how do we make it and uh, uh, uh what priorities uh do we give what do we want to uh what do we want to build in uh in ukraine and ukraine has its own regional problems of uh, of development so the question will be do you want to invest in ukraine and to have infrastructure projects in ukraine in order to develop only the West of Ukraine? Or do you want to have the whole of Ukraine invested? How are you, if I were a Ukrainian official, I would also, you know, be very blunt and say, is it to get Ukrainian workers to go and work in hospitals in Poland or to go and uh, and work in your companies? And these are people that we need in our country to to develop it. I think there are a lot of questions that, that need to be, to be answered. And they're very difficult to answer, right? Because Ukraine is not part of the European Union. That brings a whole lot of problems, of course, from a a Polish perspective. I would answer to that, that the fact that Ukraine is not in the European Union. I still allowed Užgorod uh, to have a, a, an international airport opening uh, uh, adjacent to uh, uh, to the Slovak border, and and the, the airport is going to uh, uh, to cover both the very west of Ukraine and the, the Zakarpattia region, as well as eastern Slovakia and to to a certain extent eastern Hungary. So it's totally possible to to do it. It just you know we have to be. We have to be smart about it, and I would say again, from a nationalist perspective, you have to be careful because you know everybody, every every country, every nation in in this region has its pride, and there's there's always a a story that is uh you know that is very often complicated, and 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 you do not want to to complicate the history with these uh, with these projects. So that's why I think focusing on economics is great because you are bypassing the whole historical perspective and the sort of identity politics that, that that we see going on all around the world at the moment.
1: So it it's all comes down to the narrative. Thank you very much, Thibaut, for all the insights. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks very much for having me. It, it's a great project that you're having. And you know, thanks for having me on board. Thank you all for listening and we look forward to your company for the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do leave a review. This will help us ensure a regular stream of great guests you want to hear from. And finally,
1: check out our news and analysis platform at emerging-europe.com.